Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent most of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season will put a shock to our system by covering Static Shock, the animated series on... Yet another DC animated podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there, I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories, so of course, we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So each episode, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. So before we actually get started this week, Daniel, welcome <laughs> back, man. Daniel, so glad you are well. back. <laughs> yeah, man. Our original um, co-host. Hit it, Max. Sorry, it's been a while. Um, just got some things going on, but you know, hopefully, I can make some more um, make some more appearances soon. Heck yeah, yes. I'm, I'm it's glad the to be return back. of someone, and it is the return of Daniel as well. It is yes. the return of Daniel because this week <laughs> we are hopping on into that souped-up Nabu Starfighter to discuss mm-hmm. the fifth episode of the new Disney Plus series, The Book of Boba Fett, titled Chapter yes. Five: Return of the Mandalorian. This episode was written by John Favreau with staff writer Noah Clore and directed incredibly. Holy crap. Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> Colleen Daniel, are you guys ready to put your helmet back on? <laughs> Not if I can never take it off again. <laughs> Let's go. I'm ready. All right, good. So, Colleen, I have no choice then but to revoke your Mando card <laughs> until you take a Is sacred it? bath in a place that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> anyway, easy, easy thing to do. <laughs> Anyways. We're going to punch it with an episode recap. Mm-hmm. So we start off in a meat locker, which I just, I love that we're in a meat locker mm-hmm. <laughs> on board a ring safe yes. space station. Gorgeous shot. Some Klaatuinians are working when they are interrupted by Din Jaren himself. Mando is back, baby. Woo! He walks like right past the main workers and back yeah. to the back office to find yeah. his mark. Kaba buys. Kaba tries to talk his way out of things and kind of intimidate his way out of things, but mm. Din <laughs> makes the choice and brings him in cold, taking out all of the guards with the dark saber. He is just using this for bounty hunting now. I and didn't uh, think I got to th- slice through. He absolutely guy. right through the guy. <laughs> this was crazy. Through the guy through the table. Everything. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And I love that he's like he's like He's so clumsy with it. He is just, mm-hmm. it's like a mace that's just way too heavy as he goes. More Burned on that in a little immediately. bit. Burned himself <laughs> too. Yeah. Din convinces the remaining workers though to let him pass with the head of his mark uh, by bribing <laughs> them with all the credits in the back room and makes his way to what I think is the local guild master uh, who's an Ishi Tib. Din demands his reward, not only the money, but information on getting into the lower levels of the station. Mm-hmm. He follows the directions, he sees the hidden markings, and finds his way to the remains of his very own covert. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's only the armor and Paz Vizla, that dick, are the only mm-hmm. ones left. Of course, those are the only two that <laughs> fucking survived. That's mm-hmm. fine. While Paz patches up a wound in Din's leg, which was very nice of him, that was fine. That the Darksaber caused, hilarious. The armor gives him information download on the true significance of the blade and its place in both Mandalorian history and legend, including how the blade must be won in combat to truly lay claim to it, which is why Bo-Katan's rule over Mandalore ended in such ruin. Rude. Mm -hmm. So rude. Was not here for it. I'm like, you're just a jealous bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Din did win the blade in combat, however, but Moff Gideon is in the custody of the New Republic. He's not dead. The armorer tells of how Gideon was responsible for the destruction of Mandalore, 
Only those like Death Watch, who were exiled off-world, have survived. The legend tells of a new rise of a mythosaur, signaling a new age for Mandalore. She sure has a lot more information now. Like, yeah. way more. Especially about the Jedi and stuff. I, I was, I'm very suspicious. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I'll be interested to see where she goes uh, going forward in season three. Mm-hmm. So... Den hands over his Beskar spear, which the armor sees as an abomination because she says it's meant to be defensive and not as a weapon. Mm-hmm. So Den asks her to use the material to forge something for Grogu. And she God, was so happy. Of course, of course, that's what he's going to ask for. Yep. And uh, so she remarks about how the Jedi are not supposed to form attachments, but she makes something anyway. Mm-hmm. Puts it in that little bag that also looks like a Grogu. Just like him. Oh so my god! Beautiful. That was a moment that I was just like, "Okay, she didn't have to go that hard." But Bryce Dallas Howard did that for us. Like, there's yeah, no way that did. was in the script. Yeah. <laughs> that the package looks like it's his like, head. The bag should have ears and be adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. Oh my gosh. So Din and the armor are practicing fighting with the dark saber, but Din is struggling real hard. The blade is getting heavier as he goes and Din is really clumsy with it. Paz Vizsla mm, comes back in to challenge <laughs> Din in combat. The dark saber was forged by his ancestor, so he will win it back. They fight and ultimately Din wins the day. The armorer questions them both and Din is forced to admit that he has removed his helmet, which causes the armor to cast him away. The only way for him to reclaim his honor would be to bathe in the sacred pools beneath the surface of Mandalore, which no longer exists. <laughs> well, possibly, at least. We think they don't exist anymore. We'll see. Right. It's kind of like a check off sacred pools. Lo's going to yeah. hate that episode. <laughs> <laughs> the episode defined the sacred pools. Side <laughs> so, quest. Yeah. Din's back out wandering the streets, but then after... Of course, removing all of his weapons for transport security. <laughs> he gets on a transport back to Tatooine and arrives in Moss Eisley. It heads straight for Pelly's. So apparently she's contacted him. She has a new ship for him, or at least a used one. It's a classic. It is an N1 Starfighter. I was so sure that that was a pod racer under that tent, under that Same. cloth. <laughs> I'm going to have so many thoughts when it comes time to talk about this ship. Right. I know. I was like, Daniel's coming back for the perfect episode. It's the ship episode. <laughs> Din's not exactly no excited about this thing. He's he's gives it that classic Star Wars line, like what a piece of junk. Yeah. Rude. But he ultimately he 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 lets her win him over and he agrees to help her put the thing back together. Mm-hmm. Cue hot rod mechanic montage, <laughs> complete yep. with an amazing Jawa reveals from Pelly. Yeah. Not only wow. has she dated them, apparently they're furry under there. Ooh. Which does not bode okay. well for a desert creature. <laughs> okay, Pelly. <laughs> The, uh, girl. The, yeah. Well, now the newly refurbished ship is ready for a test flight. So Din takes it for a joyride and a test run through Beggar's Canyon and up into space. Mm-hmm. Again, Flo's got to love this episode too. We're basically calling, we're reliving the pod race. Yeah, except yeah. it was much shorter and I appreciated that. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's caught without his registration by a passing New Republic patrol. Mm-hmm. who apparently the New Republic has no presence on the surface of Tatooine, but they're still patrolling space around it. Mm-hmm. it I don't know. I have questions. <laughs> A lot of questions. But, they're still getting their feet, I guess. Yeah, but he manages to get away before good old Carson Teva, love him, <laughs> can interrogate him too much. Mm-hmm. Upon landing back at Pelly's, he's greeted by none other than Fennec Shand. Yes. She comes in with a job offer to help fight for Boba Fett. Din agrees, and you know what? He'll even do it for free. He's not even going to charge Boba for it. But first, he has to go visit a little friend. (laughs) And we end on a high. My heart. (laughs) If we see Rogu next episode, I'll be very excited. (laughs) I don't know if we will. That might, this might just be like, oh, Mandalorian season three will start here. Maybe we still have to see about that. So now we're going to go into our overall reactions. But before we start with that, from this episode, I have to share the Easter egg friend of the pod Jason sent me, which made me tear up a little bit. Mm. When Boba is cremating the Tuscans, a song with the very mournful vocals plays in the background. And this is in Mandalore, the language, so I'm going to butcher it completely. Alit Orishaya Taldin, 
This is a Mandalorian proverb from Legends, a novel called Bloodlines. It means family is more than bloodline. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, just twist the knife. Cool. Cool. Dando comes make back that, make that and I do this. even more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, pain is the thing that uh, that always used to happen to me in all these episodes. So this just feels comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> We're back where we started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Okay. So like this episode. Hat. Who just pretty much left me speechless. It was, but holy shit, it's so good. It's one of the best directed episodes of Star Wars television I think I've ever seen. Bryce Dallas Howard needs her own film or a series. Like right now, she's so good. I love it. I know there's been some backlash that this was more of an episode of The Mandalorian and not Book of Boba Fett. But this show has been touted as Mando chapter 2.5 basically. So connecting with the main show was inevitable. I would have liked to have seen someone other than Din, but this episode was still really good. And Pedro Pascal, also fantastic. I think Din's best when he's surrounded by interesting side characters. So I was very happy that we got to see Pelly again and her droids. And the Ishitib client, I was like, ooh, this is like some very sinister shit going on. They really wanted him to stay there. Like, yeah what is this person what is their job what do they do i really want to know i really like that uh and then of course the armor mm, (laughs) (laughs) i swear they never fucking die she seems to know so much more about the jedi than she initially let on to din like she's not talking about space wizards anymore she's like oh no they they literally can't form attachments like girl how you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm starting to be very even more suspicious of you she's like that information controller and wants to stay that way and i think she kind of knows that her power over din is waning especially when he starts talking about bokatan craze and she's like damn it that stupid hot bitch got to my man <laughs> gotta exile him now and then freaking paz Vizla holding the dark saber is like no <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> this is unacceptable <laughs> don't like do not like daniel how about you though what did you think um, the first thing I have to say is, oh my God, that test run of the ship. <laughs> I just, it was, it made me so happy knowing that I was going to talk about this made me just like, it was the most perfect thing they could have done for me. When she's like, stop handling it like a gunship, handle it like a starfighter. And then they let to, they let that beautiful ship show off what it can do. And I said, Yes. This is exactly what I needed in my life. Um, It looked beautiful. I could talk about it all episode, but I won't. I will move on to other things. They put a halo in Star Wars. (laughs) Guys, they put a halo in Star Wars. And it made me so happy. It it just, it looked so cool. It looked beautiful. Bryce Mm -hmm. Dallas Howard, you're, you are a director. You are amazing. Let's see more of you. Um, yeah, it was it was just so much fun. Like this was a fun episode. I was definitely one of those people at first who was like, eh, "Why are we just getting Mandalorian season three, episode mm-hmm. one?" Basically, but the more I thought about it, we're seeing Din and Boba in similar points in their lives. They're mm-hmm. both trying to, you know, they've had these these experiences happen to them. Boba went through this time with the Tuscans. Uh, Dan went through his time with Grogu. They both have lost that. They're trying to find a, a different, a different path, a different purpose. I'm like, okay, there's there's some similar themes going on here, and we're going to see how they relate back into each other again. And yeah. there's still two more episodes left of the season, so right. I'm I'm excited to see how they how they tie this in together. And uh, knowing that you know we might see Boba again in Mando season three, so we might get a Boba episode then. Who knows? Which so, would be cool too. Yeah. Right. I would be down for that. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a bunch of fun. And uh, the more I sat on it, the more I was fine with it just basically being a Din episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what can I say except fuck yes? <laughs> this was just so incredible so on so many levels. Um, I think it was like it was during the shipbuilding montage that I really realized that I was like, oh my gosh, we're not this isn't going to like transition and then be like half an episode with Boba Fett. We're just going to stay with Din the whole time. And that's it. And 
ultimately i'm good with that i'm fine with it mm-hmm. again bryce dallas howard i'll say it again did such an amazing job directing this episode i do want to take a second and actually <clears throat> talk about that because i saw i saw a question online someone posed that they were like kind of wondering why why is everyone necessarily praising bryce dallas howard you know for her direction what is the actual difference in all of these shows between like producers directors and the screenwriter because mm-hmm. favreau wrote this episode so i mean he's responsible for most of the dialogue the major story beats the general mm-hmm. sequencing of things but then yeah. all of the decisions about how something is ultimately framed performances a lot of performances all mm-hmm. of those pan shots that's all down to the director how it ultimately gets edited together is usually the director's heavily involved and that's mm-hmm. also where the producers will a lot of the time get involved where they might like rearrange some scenes say and we're going to use this take versus that take and all right. of that sort of a thing right but yeah all of those visual choices that like really really cool like one sh- the decision to do that as like a one shot of him walking back through the restaurant and back out into the streets and all that stuff that's all the director mm-hmm. yep <laughs> So she just does such a good job. And yes, give her the Kira movie. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would, I, yes. Amelia Clark and Bryce Dallas Howard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Shake still hands. Needs a good, still needs a good screenwriter, <laughs> but give her the movie. I'm a little conflicted still on this episode. Not necessarily with the idea that this was a, just a Din centric episode. Like I'm okay with that. But the information we got, we got so much information and answers to questions that were posed in the Mandalorian and are directly mm-hmm. more related to that narrative that I'm like, you know, the night of a thousand tears, Concordia yeah. getting more into that Bo-Katan history and all of those legends around the dark saber mm-hmm. that are, were set to be central questions that needed answering in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is the aspect, the kind of plot aspect that I'm still a little conflicted on with it, but hell i'm still here for it <laughs> like you definitely should watch this after mando season two right and i think oh, yeah. getting back into the uh the idea that this show was actually you know mandalorian season 2.5 like i absolutely get it i remember you know after season two ended they had announced the book of boba fett and some of us were wondering there were like rumors and of course there are always rumors nothing was ever really confirmed that Pedro Pascal yeah. wasn't necessarily going to come back for season three. So this might have actually just basically been the somewhat reworked Mandalorian season three from the mm-hmm. jump, which is fine. Just doing this in this way is something I think we just haven't necessarily seen before. Like mm-hmm. this was almost set up like a backdoor pilot for a show that already exists. And even with like all the interconnectedness of the Marvel TV series or all of the Arrowverse shows, this still feels like they're trying something a little bit different, a little bit new, which is always a little strange. So I'm not surprised that we're all feeling a little bit weird about it, but hell, they knocked the episode out of the park. (laughs) I'm really interested to see where it goes. Definitely. Um, But you know, yeah, it was a compelling good episode, just potentially strange, strange place to put it. Yeah. And those criticisms are, are valid. Mm -hmm. And then I just got to shout out a couple of just, I think some (laughs) of my, uh, amazing comedy pieces throughout this <laughs> the tsa security where he's like i'm a mandalorian weapons are part of my religion and the droid's like yeah cool you're still not taking them on the plane tsa says no. nice little <laughs> nice little uh nice little commentary maybe on how freedom of religion only goes so far people that and when i know exactly what's in there <laughs> that and when did has a little b2 droid hold the light steady i mean come on it's just so great is this signaling that we're gonna see some fallen order stuff i know so much soon? stuff coming in oh my god and then i i actually really like the small moment where pelly mentioned she's never even been off of tatooine i mean it we're all kind of in the can we please have episodes outside of Tatooine like starting to wonder what's going to happen with the Kenobi series and the fact that we're spending so much time here now but it reminds me of Ezra in the Rebels pilot and how he is so shocked to be up into space that yeah we the audience are constantly zipping from planet to planet but for the people in this universe 
interplanetary travel isn't necessarily a given. It's it's right. a luxury yeah. in a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. So ships are expensive. Ships are expensive. <laughs> a lot of feelings in this episode. A lot of stuff. But Colleen, I think we got to get into our Ooh. plentiful, bountiful mm-hmm. homages, Easter eggs, connections, and callbacks. <laughs> To do some like vocal exercises to prepare <laughs> for how many Easter eggs there are in this episode. Starting with the title, Return of the Mandalorian is a pretty direct nod to Return of the Jedi. Does doing this also tie the two cultures closer together in the future, maybe? Mm-hmm. They have a pretty fractured history, but Grogu and Din, and Ezra and Sabine, of course, could help bring them together. Yay! <laughs> That'd be awesome. Also, going back to our biblical theme, we keep thinking like, trying to think of stories in the Bible that would fit. And this one, we're settling with the prodigal son returns, which has a lot of comparability. Din, prodigal son, Boba, prodigal son. Who? Themes, symbolism. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we have that ring station. Uh, Daniel mentioned that they put a halo ring (laughs) in Star Wars. But it, I'm going to say it's also likely an homage to the sci-fi novel Ring World by Larry mm-hmm. Niven. Uh, Star yeah. Wars has had ring type stations. Uh, there are a couple in Legends and then my personal favorite, the wheel and the Lego Star Wars continuity. Mm-hmm. Free make or salvage and repair. <laughs> <laughs> so I just have to say real quick while we're talking about the ring station. Oh, yeah. My roommate and I, as we're watching, we're freaking out because we've been playing the new Halo and we're like, they put a Halo in and then they go into the meat locker and some of those Klaatuanians, some of those aliens looked like brutes, these enemies from the game. We're like, wait, no, they look like they belong in Halo. So we were just, we we're having a nerd out moment within a nerd out moment at the beginning of that episode. I'm going to add another one. I'm going to add another one. Didn't, have you seen the trailer? The oh, trailer for the, Halo, for, the, yes. for the Halo series that came out? The trailer came out today? Yes. I am cautionately interested in it. <laughs> I haven't played I a Halo game since Halo 3, so. I have never played a Halo game, but I will probably watch the show. Yes. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see as it approaches. I'm, I have some takes about it, but I'll save those for later. Mm-hmm. So we've got the meat locker like we talked about. So we didn't really get uh, Boba or his mafia plot in this episode, but we do get a little bit of a nod to that uh, mafia feel. Kind of felt like a little bit of a Goodfellas, a Sopranos thing, that typical mobster setting. I also, the lighting and everything reminded me, have you guys ever seen the movie Eastern Promises about the yes. Russian mob? I yeah. lost that movie. It kind of reminded me Be- of beautiful. the lighting in the uh, Russian bathhouse when they have the fight there. Yep. I, that Everyone is had one a of bit my more clothing favorite, on, but, favorite uh, scenes on film <laughs> of all time. <laughs> I really yeah. want them now to have a scene where they're like in the, uh, the waste management business. Mm. <laughs> Do you have any quick lime? Boba's like, why? Yeah. (laughs) Gotta get rid of a body. (laughs) No disintegration. (laughs) Next, we have one of these perpetual questions from the Mandalorian. Din presents his mark with a tracking fob. We still don't understand how the fuck these things work. (laughs) And we did not find out in this episode. (laughs) I love it. It's just just presented as an answer. How did you find me, fob? Uh, As the audience, we're like, oh, okay, but still, how that shit work? Yes. <laughs> Next up, as is very common, we had uh, we had a Trandoshan lose an arm to a Wookiee <laughs> recently. Badass. <clears throat> Loved it. Yes. But as is common in Star Wars properties, some of these monsters lose their limbs most of their lives, and one of them, his head, to a lightsaber blade. <laughs> Again, badass. Loved it. <laughs> He was, that thing was like a meat cleaver. It was a meat yeah. cleaver machete. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was waving it around like a machete. <laughs> like, he's definitely not a Jedi. <laughs> no. Oh. So, the uh, the boss that Dan gets his information out mm-hmm. of, that Ishi Tib, that was an interesting creature with a fantastic voice. I love yes. the sound of it. Mm-hmm. So, they are amphibious, and they're from the planet Tibrin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've appeared back as far as Return of the Jedi, and they made some appearances throughout the Clone Wars, uh, Rebels as well, and in a few books and comics. Uh, and you can also see a Quarren, and I'm going to uh, butcher this pronunciation, a Syrian, uh, Syrian, C-E-R-E-A-N. Yep. Oh, that's what that is. 
Yeah. <laughs> if you had said the Kit Fisto alien, I would have known that. I'm sorry, sorry for anyone who's like, how dare you? How did you not know? Like pushing their glasses up as I am right now. Squidward, that is who it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I loved this part. Quote, I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. End quote. The way he said it too, he's like, he's so tired, guys. This is a line we've heard from Din before, all the way back in Mando chapter one. So we're really bringing it home in this episode today. It always goes back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So then later, the symbols that Din follows to find the cohort, uh, several of them are in the kind of shape of a Mandalorian visor. And one of them is the traditional Mythosaur skull, which is Mm -hmm. also appears on Boba's armor. Mm-hmm. very very important mm-hmm. we also got to see the armor and Paz Vizsla again mm-hmm. uh, so Paz was voiced by John Favreau and he's a reference to pre-Vizsla his clansman that Fa- uh, Favreau voiced in the Clone Wars fuck you pre-Vizsla <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> all the Vizslas Tar Vizsla you were probably an asshole too <laughs> probably I mean they did keep his lightsaber <laughs> <laughs> What a dick. I mean, this is fine. All the Mandalorians are really cool, everyone. Next, we have that mythosaur. We get a few references to these beasts in the episode. These are legendary creatures, as their primary location thus far has been in Legends canon. They were large dinosaur-like beasts native to Mandalore. Very cool looking. The Mandalorians hunted them to extinction because, of course, they did. And their skulls became a symbol for the ruling clan. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Why are they off killing all the dinosaurs? Just I don't know if you, but apparently, if you want to rule Mandalore, you have to ride on a mythosaur with the dark saber. <laughs> Show me that. Yeah. Show me that. <laughs> all right. Well, next up, guys, we got mentions of Grogu, Baby Yoda himself. Oh my god, this was amazing. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but just that wrapping little present in the shape of his head was probably Precious. the sweetest thing I've ever Precious. seen. Is he going to be riding in the droid seat? That's what I want to know. Absolutely. Oh, that has, has that's to 100%. Be. That's why it's there. Yeah. yeah, can we all we'll talk about the practicality of that ship later. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little dangerous for my boy. Oh man. Well, Boba is not the only one who needed some Bacta in this episode. That Bacta spray that Paz uses uh patches up Din's leg, which thank goodness, because he shaved a nice little bit of himself off with that dark saber. Yep, please. Yep. And in my never-ending quest to always be reminded of the most random things whenever I see something <laughs> on screen, just the wound on his leg. I don't know if you guys remember the movie Volcano with Tommy Lee oh, Jones about the volcano in downtown LA. In La Brea. <laughs> um yeah so there's a volcano in downtown la and there's these lava bombs falling from the sky and he kind of like goes up to one and a little bit of lava gets on his leg and i swear to god the wound is like exactly like this one gross and sizzling (laughs) that movie wow i prefer dante's peak (laughs) oh definitely dante's peak was definitely better but oh god volcano just is so funny Yeah, Volcano with the movie is very funny. Yeah, Next, we're going to we knock have... down a building in 10 minutes. Yeah, very weird. But some strange shit happens. <laughs> Daniel, go watch Volcano. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Watch Jaws first, please. Next, oh, we yeah, have... that's so me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next, we have the Moon of Concordia, which mm-hmm. is where the members of Death Watch are from. This is a radical Mandalorian sect. They were exiled from Mandalore. So they're just off chilling on their own moon basically ultimately worked in their favor yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yeah it worked i mean they're alive Mm -hmm. for now (laughs) next up we have this was incredible this kind of homage Uh to the terminator series during the destruction scene (laughs) with those droids absolutely mowing down those injured mandalorians all the bombing destruction of the planet kind of like the nuclear explosions those droids were from the kx series which we grew to love during Mm -hmm. rogue one with k2so yes (laughs) alan tudyk i've been watching resident alien recently so (laughs) (laughs) um we then you know he's also a reprogrammed former killbot pretty good homage right there to t2 and they're also kind of being overseen by these like pretty large probe droid um, another small connection, yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard did have a starring role in Terminator Salvation. Mm-hmm. Underrated entry in the series. Not not fantastic, but doesn't deserve the maligning yeah. that it gets. 
I thought it was decent. Mm-hmm. Didn't see it. No, you don't, you don't need to. Please, yeah. jaw, Jaws first. Jaws first. Yeah. But I mean, anything anything that has Anton Yelkin, I'm gonna say you should see because he was a great actor. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's very true. Now, speaking of Mandalore, their Dome Cities finally made their live action debut, and then sadly also met their end. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It seemed between the destruction of Kamino and the destruction of Mandalore, the Empire went from blasting from space to getting a little more personal with the Tide Bombers. Yeah, it was just brutal to watch. They really was... handled that well. Ooh. Yeah. It was terrifying. I was like, oh no, that's Sundari probably. Oh my god. Like, yeah. That's where everyone is. <laughs> Yeah. and it was easy to hit them because they're all under domed cities mm-hmm. they don't just have to like scour a whole targets. planet yeah they just have to find the cities and bomb them like wow Woo! Palpatine what a jerk <sighs> next we have Beskar is meant for defense this is an interesting note and possibly a reference to Sabine's work when she was an imperial cadet Whoopsies. She designed a weapon called the Duchess that turned Beskar armor into a weapon that cooked the Mandalorian who was wearing the armor from the inside. Yeah. It was considered an unforgivable sin at the time and probably still is from who remembers that she did this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor Sabine. Poor yeah. Sabine. Poor Sabine. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have some actual kind of confirmation the dark saber must be one in combat at last we had an answer to the question that any one of us that have been watching rebels and clone wars had about bo katan because why she didn't take it when din offered it to her in mandalorian season two din did beat moff gideon in combat which was at the end of chapter 16 of the mandalorian i hate this (laughs) I mean, I had I had questions about it. So I, I I I had some questions about it. We could talk about it now, um, just I, while we're on it. Sure. I, mean, I think the armorer is first of all. She probably knew Bo-Katan because Bo-Katan was also part of Death Watch, so she's just like this is obviously very personal to her as a Mandalorian, but also as probably someone who was a member of Death Watch and may have been very jealous of Bo-Katan. And the Kree's family being one of the highest noble families, it's like, mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just, at the first, rules. I was, like, I was putting myself through some mental gymnastics, just thinking about like the rules of transferring the dark saber, because mm-hmm. I think this is the Harry Potter fan in all of us yeah, that is that wand. is doing the other yeah. one thing. Yeah. But I've decided that no, it's just a lot simpler than that. Because I was at the point where I was like, well, wait, if Din just like dropped it on the ground some rando kid picked it up i punch the kid in the face and take it does that make me the ruler of mandalore because i beat that kid in combat according to maul probably <laughs> like if, i think and i decided that no i'm actually gonna take Mo- i'm actually gonna take moff gideon at, at his word here which he said at the end of chapter 16 he's he was talking about how the blade itself doesn't have power that's not what's important what's important is the story yeah. So that yeah. the the whole you have to win it by creed in combat is purely for the story of it. Yeah. And the idea that Bo that her rule ended in ruin because she didn't win it, well, that's more just after the facts. Yeah. Like it's we a found a, we found a prophecy that that fit our narrative. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that, that this whole idea the the dark saber does not have hard and fast rules. I mean, it was passed down for generations. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm guessing through the Vizsla family, and I'm just guessing through they the Vizsla line. Really I'm guessing they weren't Sith that were like trying to overthrow their fathers. Right. And you know this this whole idea, I've decided it's a lot simpler than yeah. we're all trying to make it out to be. <laughs> oh yeah, it's definitely just a legend for the legend's sake. Yeah. And the armor is using it against Bogtan and against Din. It's just not. I think we're still going to see some stuff revealed about this cult that Din was in. I there's Mm -hmm. some some odd things about them that I think. I I hope we explore them more in season three. Sketchy shit. Yeah, I I think they're trying to mold him in a path that might not be so great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, moving on, uh, Daniel. What's (laughs) up next? Yeah, so while they were sparring, the armor was counting in uh, Mandoa, the native Mandalorian language. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice little touch there. 
I like when they throw that stuff in. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have our token lightsaber fight. <laughs> Let it never mm -hmm. be said that the Book of Boba Fett doesn't have a lightsaber fight. The dark setting with scaffolding resembles a few notable duels we've seen before in Empire Strikes Back and the Ahsoka Maul fight, which is my favorite duel, in the final episodes mm -hmm. of Clone Wars. God, yes, up in that scaffolding in those cities. Oh my god, mm -hmm. I still love that one. Uh, next up, we have Din talking about, I mean, we talked about how the, he was very clumsy with the saber. He notes that it is heavy. We learned this back in Rebels when Sabine was first training with the blade. She t tells Kanan that it's heavy, mm -hmm. and he says she needs to kind of open herself up to it, try and connect with the Force even a little bit to connect with the blade. And when she does, she notes that it feels lighter because she's channeling her energy through it. Mm -hmm. And she's so not that's fighting against it. Exactly. Which another nod. I think the uh, the armor mentions that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved I loved seeing that uh come back to it. That that was great. Yeah, that made me really happy. I was like, oh, good. They're they're not discounting rebels. Yeah, this is some of my, my brother thought it was too. a retcon. <laughs> oh, I love those episodes. My brother's like, yeah. was the dark saber always heavy? I'm like, yeah, Sabine said. It was yeah, heavy. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then, speaking of uh the dark saber being heavy, we got to see Paz Vizla uh, clumsily using that dark saber. So. Mm -hmm. He thinks it's his by right, right after uh, the armorer was saying that it had to be one in combat. And then he put on a clumsy display trying to claim it. Yes. Sorry, pause. <laughs> Please nah. try it. That was a great, that was also, a, I got to say, that was a great comeback from Din. He was like, that blade belongs to my family. And Din's like, well, it's mine now. Yep. <laughs> He's like, finders, keepers, losers, weavers. <laughs> Basically. I, that was like not a very smart move on the armor side either. There's like three of you, three. Mm -hmm. Why are you allowing the two to fight each other? Because that is our way. I suppose. Okay. Even when they came, they okay. both came out of it alive, and then she was like, "Nope, you're banned." Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh well, <laughs> now that Paz didn't win it, you're banned. Yeah, it's fine. You, you're banished. Banished. Okay, Azula. Din removes his helmet. Whoopsies. He's done this a couple times in The Mandalorian, once in season one and twice in season two. Mm. Oh boy. Then we have that lovely, lovely, mm. lovely TSA security <laughs> scene. I mean, who, who among us doesn't hate going through checkpoints? Uh, God, I'm actually going to have to do that again in a couple months. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, this is another great, just like little insert of comedy. Din's removal of his weapons and the the box just like slowly gets heavier and heavier. It's a great comic trope in a lot of like action stories. Yes. Um, one of the funniest ones that kept coming into my mind was Kiera Knightley, another Star Wars alum at the beginning of Pirates of the Caribbean 3. Yeah. Again, yes. it's better than the second one. Where is she keeping uh -huh. all those knives? <laughs> <laughs> she had all the knives that she like randomly pulls the gun out of somewhere. And it's, it gives like the little innocent like. Mm. Oh. <laughs> oh, me. With you all the guns, these weapons. <laughs> oh, man. And then we got to see the child on the transport that Den looks at. A Rodian. I love seeing them in live action. Same mm -hmm. species as Greedo. We also got to see one a few weeks back uh, with Boba. So that was cool. Mm -hmm. And then smart on mom for not letting her kid bother the Mandalorian. Yeah, she's like, stop it. Yeah, no. It was really cute, though. It was like this little wave. It was like, it's such a kid thing to do. So, so yeah. adorable. Next, we have the archway on the way into Moss Eisley is a lot like the one we see in Force Awakens on Jakku. It is based on Ralph McQuarrie original concept art as the best things are. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have, again, adorable cuteness alert Pelly's new droid is a bd series droid this little guy is the same model that was featured in the jedi fallen order video game i actually saw this guy and i was like i'm so glad daniel's gonna be back this week because we're talking about mm -hmm. video games <laughs> din has a couple of really nice little sweet interactions with it including asking it to hold the light and then it mm -hmm. um yeah it shows him like where to put the piece and he even calls it buddy <laughs> which is Big character development for Din, who used to hate droids in all forms. So I have a few things I need to say about this real quick. All right. They integrated in BD-1, your uh, droid companion in Fallen Order, will make maps for you in, in like holographic settings, Aww. just like he did where uh, Din put the plate on. So they referenced that 
uh, video game aspect, which I loved. He calls him Buddy, which uh, Cal, the character in Fallen Order, always calls BD1. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, nailed it again. And they just, they got the mannerisms of the BD droid from the game just so spot on. It was perfect. For a second, was- I really thought we were going to see the Fallen <laughs> Order character come through the door or something. I was like, cool. mm-hmm. oh, is he here? And then I realized, okay, it's just a BD droid. It's okay. But then he was so perfect. He was just exactly how you want a beady droid to be. So yeah, I loved it. <laughs> and then we also got to see the live action reveal of a Womp Rat. Uh, finally. So, <laughs> finally. We've talked about them for so long and mm-hmm. we finally get to see one and they are a nasty little bugger. Yeah, not mad if these die. Sorry, but not sorry. You tried yeah, to eat no, BD. No, you're you're done. At Pelly's, we see her pit crew droids and R5. Yay! Once again, seriously, like he needs bath though. Somebody clean this hero of the rebellion up, or at least like repaint him like around around yeah. where he, unless he's wearing it like a battle scar, like chicks mm. take scars, you know. It's mm-hmm. big. Mm-hmm. All right, then when Pelly's kind of being attacked by that wombat, and she's like reaching around the side of that container, it seemed like another reference to Jurassic yes. Park, the opening yeah. scene where the guy's getting eaten by the raptor. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, Fantastic. Bryce tells our Jurassic World. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking of big, scary lizard monsters, uh, Pelly asked Mambo if he's here to slay another dragon, which, of course, he did last time. He was on Tatooine uh, back in the Marshall. Mm-hmm. Ooh, we would also like to see again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Cobb Vanth, where yes, are you? indeed. Oh, okay. This one is really for Daniel. This is the N1 Starfighter. These ships have the most prominence back in Phantom Menace, although this one is now souped up more like a freaking hot rod. Another reference mm-hmm. this season to George Lucas's American Graffiti. Amazing. This ship is great. It slays. This is fantastic. Like I've always loved the N one Starfighters. I think I mm-hmm. like I like the design of them just even like a little bit more than the X Wing. But mm-hmm. oh, this just looks so cool. This is like turning just it into a muscle put car. A little more armor on for my boy. Uh, yeah. If, if Gregory's going to be running that, I need a little bit more on there. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. if if this is going to be like an actual like home ship, let let's let's trade it in for it the minivan. Really can't. Like really we need like <laughs> it, it can't be like he in his razor crest. Din had Din had yeah. like living quarters. He had a freaking carbon freezing chamber, chamber in the ship. Yeah. This doesn't even have a bathroom. Right. Yeah. He's <laughs> he's gonna need to get something like the ghost where you can attach the fighter to it from the outside. Yeah. Because I don't think he'd want anything bigger because he doesn't want to sacrifice maneuverability, but he's going to want to keep the fighter with him also, unless he keeps it at Pelly's. <laughs> he's like, going to need something like what Han had in episode seven, uh, mm-hmm. that big freighter. Yeah, that's just that keep, like, that as your home base. And then you mm-hmm. can just like pop out in the in the in one whenever you need to go somewhere quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, all right well next up i mean amy sedaris just going for it in this episode Mm -hmm. (laughs) with the hard sell and her best like used car salesman impression (laughs) that using that trope for them like come on man just take it out for spin it's a classic it's custom slaps the hood (laughs) slaps the hood it's fantastic again i've been watching um i just finished uh the series no activity on paramount plus and amy sedaris is in that she's a 911 dispatch operator and she's hilarious (laughs) she's fantastic incredible Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh and then she brings up fathers which i was so happy uh the racing animals that we saw in canto bite in the last jedi i was i love those things they're so cute yeah, so, yeah, so... supposedly the ship's faster than a Fabio, which you'd hope. Yeah, it's a spaceship. I would definitely <laughs> hope. <laughs> like, Interestingly, these ships don't need hyperspace rings, which is really mm-hmm. strange for the older starfighters because X-Wings have a hyperdrive, but a lot of the older ones would not. They needed hyperspace rings, which would attach to their ships. Obi-Wan uses them back in Attack of the Clones. And you see them a lot mm-hmm. in the Clone Wars too. Yeah. 
<laughs> so this is a very very <laughs> small <laughs> little little thing but at one point you can see that pit droid like peeking into the fighter's <laughs> engines and Pelly's like get out of there get out get away yes. it's not safe mm-hmm. and this is a pretty direct reference to the pit droid that got sucked through one of the pod racing <laughs> engines in back phantom menace mm-hmm. i loved it it was like what <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that's a nice nod. I had not even noticed that, so I can't wait to see that when I go back. Um, so I'm going to say some words to you guys. And, uh, I'm sorry about this jumble. Uh, the cryogenic density combustion booster. Um, it's certainly something. Uh, so that is the rod that the Jawas give to Din. It's the same one that Han uses to try and brace the garbage compactor in A New Hope. Um, it has a name. Is, it's so absurd that we're like that thing is a like we know what that is now. It's like, oh my gosh! Okay, okay, we're stretching here, this. but I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> as long as we know what it is, which we still kind of don't. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Nothing. Everything in Star Wars doesn't need a reason. Next, we have Beggars Canyon back home. Luke references this canyon during the Death Star run in A New Hope. We also just saw it during my absolute favorite, the pod racing sequence in The Phantom Menace. Mm. I truly love it. 20 minutes too long, George. You can even (laughs) see the ramp that Anakin got forced onto. Like, this was really cool. This sequence was very, very fun. Mm -hmm. Mostly because Din's like, oh my god, I'm an old man in a racing car. What do I do? (laughs) Here for it. (laughs) And then we have, there's those shots that are like, kind of like, you're looking up right between his hands at him so you can see the sky outside. To me, that was just like a full Top top Gun. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely like a fighter oh, yeah. jet mm-hmm. <laughs> reference. Um, yes. And I, I, I'm here for it. <laughs> Any of those <laughs> nice little like Will Smith and Independence Day, you can even say. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. So they mentioned rail speeder handling. Uh, the rail speeder is that train from Solo. That they unfortunately mm. blew up for reasons. Should have been yeah. the whole movie. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, I loved this part. I thought this was great, even if it doesn't quite make sense why they're there. The X-wing cameos, fantastic. <laughs> In addition to seeing the ships themselves, the show continues the tradition of stunt casting their pilots. We've got Carson Tiva. We love him, played by Star Wars super fan. And soon to be our future live action Uncle Iroh. Such good casting. I'm so, so brilliant. About that. So good. This is Paul Soon Hyung Lee. We also get the second pilot, played by Max Lloyd Jones, who was the body double for Mark Hamill slash Luke Skywalker while filming the mm-hmm. season two finale of Mando. Like, you know, can't he just be Luke? <laughs> Please. Just let him be Luke. He seems lovely. Mark Hamill is too old to be Luke Skywalker anymore. <laughs> it's 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 true, but you know what? If they if they did make him Colleen, you know what that would be? That would be so <laughs> wizard. This <laughs> <Shit. laughs> term of amazement that did uses after his test flight was first uttered way back in Phantom Menace by Anakin's buddy Kitster. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to the So Wizard podcast who named their podcast after this line. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, it's also been used, I think, in some comic books and some other like books and materials since then. They've integrated, I think, including even to the High Republic to kind of get yeah. to make it a little bit more like universal. <laughs> uh, it's also featured in Robot Chicken's Return of the Jedi parody, where Vader <laughs> declares he's bringing it back. <laughs> Stop trying to make wizard happen, Gretchen. <laughs> Honestly, every time every time I hear someone say wizard, my mind actually goes straight to Ron Weasley going, wicked. Yes. <laughs> wicked. Yes. Completely. It's the same same energy. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that will wrap up that section for us. Let's move on to questions and predictions. So any questions we have coming out of the episode, what we think is going to happen next, and what do we want to happen next? Mm-hmm. So I got some questions about Mythosaurus and actually the more I thought about it, I got some questions about those like sacred living pool things too, because we get this prophecy of the Mythosaur that will rise for a new age of Mandalore. Well, what Mandalorian do we know that wears a Mythosaur on his armor and is actually about to potentially ride a pretty nice, big, scary beast? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
interesting. Getting the, you know, more about those, we need to bathe in these like sacred pools beneath the surface. What Mm -hmm. do we, what do we keep hearing about Tatooine all season long about its history? It used to be covered in oceans, water, Mm -hmm. all this stuff. I think that there were really, that those are ultimately going to pay off. Those hints are dropping. (laughs) Uh, My next question, what, all right, what do you guys think the armor forged for Grogu? I really want it to be a toy mud horn or like a new shiny ball, but yeah. the, those like chainmail things didn't. It was, yeah, it, it had chainmail shirt. Yeah, it was. The, it's either a shirt or maybe like a nice little like under helmet thing. There's this <laughs> yeah. really adorable image out there. I couldn't find it um, to send it to you guys again, but where it's a shot of Din and it's like a little toy Grogu wearing like a mini Mandalorian helmet and like looking up at him like, yes, daddy, daddy, I dress like daddy. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, are they calling out this meme with this? Like, is this what we're going to get? I would love that. All right. Uh, before well, before we get into my next piece, Daniel, I know you're kind of short on time. You got to go. So, any uh, any predictions you want to give us before you bow out? So I had some thoughts in mind, but then when you brought up the mythosaur and kind of tying it towards Boba, tinfoil hat came on, and I have thought about this. I have thought that maybe the Tuscans were going to be coming back at some point. I figured there's got to be someone left around. You have got the tinfoil on me so hard right now. I am thinking Boba is going to grab the Tuscans, and we're going to see potentially a new Mandalorian Tuscan fusion going on and see them. I just, I'm inspired after watching Dune recently. Mm. I want to see someone take the, <laughs> the horde across the galaxy, bring the Tuscans into space, make them Mandalorians. Oh my Let's gosh. go. All right. <laughs> That would be that would be pretty a, cool. <laughs> is that a huge stretch? Obviously. Do I want it to happen so much? Will it? <laughs> Probably not. I do hope though that the badass Tuscan from episode two that crashes the speeder into the train, please tell me she is not gone. I, know. I want her to come yeah. back into this, like into this series. Please have her back. like save Boba in the mm-hmm. last episode. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Oh. Guys, thank you so much for having me uh, back. I'm yeah. sorry I have to hop out now. No, it's okay. It was so good I to see you. I will hopefully be back very soon. Mm. Yes. I loved talking about this again with you guys. Tin foil on. All right, man. Have a good one. Yes. Gotta Bye, have Daniel. the tinfoil take. All right. So next up, I, again, I want to note here that Din gets exiled from his supposed family in this episode. Mm-hmm. But just like Fennec, he's going to fight for Boba by choice, not by like a monetary contract. So I think this is actually a really mm-hmm. important plot detail and potentially one of the more significant ones to come out of this episode. Because, we, again, we've been seeing Boba collect his crew out of loyalty and respect, the ones that have been cast aside by other people, mm-hmm. not by credits. So not only with credits, it's definitely a motivator. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then, and in terms of what's next, you know, ultimately, I I'm not sure. The next episode was co-written and directed by Filoni himself, yeah. so I have some pretty high expectations. You know, he directed the first episode ever of The Mandalorian, and then he co-wrote directed The Gunslinger, which introduced us to Fennec Shand and mm-hmm. The Jedi, which where we got Ahsoka Tano in her live action debut. Yeah. So, I think a lot of talk this week has been around how this episode necessarily quote unquote fits in with the whole narrative. And I'm mm-hmm. asking those questions too, but I can't help but think back Colleen, to our old ad- adage. <laughs> we kept telling Flo when we were doing Bohemian geek studies, rebels pods, mm-hmm. everything comes back. These guys yes. take incredible care when they're crafting a story and everything is done with kind of pinpoint intent. So I do yeah. have faith that it'll come together in the end even if it is taking longer to come together than I would like. (laughs) I have complete faith in them. Uh, Even if I do get angry sometimes about story choices in like the overall details, they're fantastic. And their storytelling is still very, very good. Very excited to see season three of Mando now, especially with Fennec in the mix, Boba in the mix, all these different people coming together with Mando. I would love to see that. Okay. But I want to see what happened 
to Mandalore, like, more. And like you mentioned mm-hmm. before, I think this probably should have been in an episode of The Mandalorian. <laughs> Neither here nor there. I want to know if there are any settlements left on the planet, like secret ones, maybe, like there were and Camino. Or is the entire planet like a desolate wasteland that they're just going to have to give up now forever? Mm-hmm. I'm sure they are going to cover this eventually, whether it's in season three of Mando or if there are more seasons of that. Will Boba be drawn back into the Mandalorian crises because of teaming up with Din? Curious about that, especially now that you're pointing out the Mythosaur connection <laughs> and the water and the riding of the creatures and the darks. <laughs> also, Din, if he shows up and visits Grogu and is like, oh, I have to go visit my friend Boba Fett on Tatooine, <laughs> what is Luke going to say about that? <laughs> I don't know. Boba Fett. Boba Fett, where? Like literally on Tatooine. <laughs> He's alive? Yeah, yeah. Last time I checked. Oh, they are gonna have a lot to talk about, which will be really cool. Um, what will the rest of the series be? Are we going to see Luke and Grogu in the next episode? I don't want to. <laughs> I want that to be in Mando season three. Um, it seems even farther away from Book of Boba Fett if we did go there. So I'm not sure if that's where we really should be going or if we should go back to Boba it would be fun to see him though I do love him but like I said before if Luke is not recast I will be disturbed (laughs) with CGI yeah if we can't no if we do if we do get this scene here if we do see him go see Grogu on Luke's Jedi Academy I'm with you it's time to recast Luke it's just it it'll be weird Mm-hmm. but it's time we don't need to spend the money on that cgi um now they did hire the guy that did it better for the internet <laughs> but still i don't but yeah i'm kind of with you i don't necessarily want that adventure just yet mm-hmm. that is something that truly i think belongs in the mandalorian show yeah but I, i'm always like i'm always like thinking about like crossover episodes with stuff like that and how how they tend to in the past have worked Mm-hmm. like old episodes of law and order cross crossover episodes or like buffy and angel ones like when those would happen and when they happen now on like you know i'm always bringing up the arrowverse but they yeah. do a lot of crossovers and mm-hmm. law and order's been doing a lot of them lately they're happening concurrently right like buffy would air an episode where they mention oh yeah willow's got to come back from la blah 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 and then airing directly after that is an episode of Angel where Willow yeah. is in LA and you find yeah. out. And that's where the connection is. We're going to be waiting almost a year potentially for Mandalorian Probably season for Mandalorian December, season three. If not longer. So that's yeah. a really weird time jump for us to have to wait for that. Unless yeah. like Din is not in episode six and then comes back in episode seven and then literally that is the full time span of mandalorian season three Dan going and visiting that'd be so weird i mean well who knows other stuff other stuff happens and then he Mm -hmm. goes back and Mm -hmm. basically he's back to help boba and then recruit him to go back for the for the finale but i don't know it's it's smack in the middle it's a weird it's a weird teaser to put where they put it. Yeah. Like it's not like it's a post-credit teaser like we got for the series book of Boba Fett. It's a right. full episode smack in the middle of the show. Yeah, it that makes it feel awkward. Cause it's like I don't want to spend the last two episodes of Book of Boba Fett with Din. Like it was fine for one, but now it's like, all right, I guess Fennec goes back to the palace and it's like, well, Din was here, but now he left. <laughs> He said he'll come back, like, maybe sometime. Yeah, he'll come back someday. But, like, I don't get how they could defeat the Pikes with just Din. Especially when he can't use the Darksaber very well. Yeah. So it's like, I guess this was Fennec's first idea, probably, and she's got other ideas. But if they were going to spend all their credits just to woo Din to their side, that's not enough muscle. It's a, it's an extra muscle, but it's not enough. So I'm like... Yeah, he's got to be. He's got to. He's got to be one. He's got to be one stop on the on the mm-hmm. recruitment tour. I would really hope so, because otherwise, like that doesn't make sense. But I have faith that Filoni and company and yes. Rodriguez are like, yeah, no, that's not what's going to happen. 
they're going to have to get other muscle because Din's like, I got to go visit my son. <laughs> bye. Parents weekend at college. Bye. Uh-huh, exactly. He's got to go greet the new freshman. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I do want, I want to get the full resolution on this Pike Pike stuff Same. though. Yeah. Like this is, we now have two episodes to really focus on the plot line of the series that I have been the most interested in that they have spent the least time developing this whole, like, right. you're going to tell me that star Wars is going to do a gangster mob show. And I'm like, I am so in, and that is yeah. the stuff we have spent the least amount of time doing. <laughs> yeah. I would like the next two episodes to be that yes. like the mobster war and yeah. they better be very long episodes. <laughs> very long, very bloody. Let's do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm ready. We are All right. <laughs> well, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Thank you for joining us. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcast. Leave us a five-star review. You can check out all of our previous episodes on the main Star Wars films and Star Wars Visions. Check out all the offerings from Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Colleen and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast. You can also find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com and join us (laughs) next time when we will take a look at the next chapter in the book of Boba Fett. But until then, never pass up on a deal (laughs) on a classic and always update your drive signature. Obviously. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. (laughs) See you next week.